Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing WatsonX Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with WatsonX Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. There are moments in life that are so special that you have to capture them and save them forever. They are one of those once-in-a-lifetime events, like your baby's first steps, the first time you bring your family pet home, or your daughter's first dance performance. With iPhone 15 Pro, more storage means you don't have to delete anything that can become a lasting memory one day. And it's important to be able to share these moments with family members who weren't there to see them in person. Store more, share more. Connect with iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T. Get iPhone 15 Pro on AT&T and get an iPad and Apple Watch for 99 cents per month each. AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Limited time offer. Requires 0% APR 36-month agreement on each. Well-qualified customers. Other terms and restrictions apply. See att.com slash iPhone for details. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's the groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. This Father's Day, power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools from the Home Depot. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. Find the perfect Father's Day gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Shop for Father's Day now in stores or online at homedepot.com. Guess what, Mango? What's that, Will? Do you hear about this super pizza they invented in England a couple years ago? I was I was just reading about it again. No, but I, I did get a note from a very sweet listener asking me to stop using the word super so much. And <laughs> I, I was thinking for today's episode, I'd just use the word top notch instead. So tell me about this top notch pizza. That's a good word, Manko. Well, super pizza was developed at Glasgow University. And it's this frozen pizza that has seaweed baked into the crust. And then the sauce is boosted with nutrients. And the whole idea is that because it has a third of your daily vitamins and minerals, you could actually eat pizza for breakfast, lunch, and dinner and be somewhat healthy. That's pretty cool. But how's it taste? Well, I guess top notch, as you might say. <laughs> but now, I, I think like pretty good from what I've read online. Anyway, reading about it made me wonder if you had to pare your pantry down to the bare minimum, what are the only foods you'd need to survive? And that's what today's episode is all about. Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Part-Time Genius. I'm Will Pearson, and as always, I'm joined by my good friend Mangesh Hatikader. And sitting behind that soundproof booth, baking some tiny but delicious pastries in his easy-bake oven is our producer, <laughs> Tristan McNeil. Where did he get that? <laughs> what is that, Tristan? Are those tiny croissants? Uh, yeah, listener, those are tiny croissants. I want a tiny croissant. <laughs> looks so good. All right, well, for today's show, we decided to do a little thought experiment. Basically, we want to know if you were going to limit your daily diet to only a handful of different foods, 10 or 5 or even just one, what should you eat? Yeah, I, I was pretty sure the answer was going to be flaming hot Cheetos, but mm -hmm. apparently the answer is not flaming hot Cheetos. I don't think it is, yeah. Because this really isn't what snacks you couldn't go without so much as the stuff you couldn't live without. Plus, uh, three times a day, Cheetos habit couldn't be that healthy for you. Probably not. And, you know, I think the idea here is to concentrate on building the most restricted diet we can using foods that are nutritious enough to actually keep you alive. 
And along the way, we'll explore the reasons why some people actually strive for a lack of variety in what they eat. And, and we'll also take a look at some of the craziest restrictive diets that people have ever subjected themselves to. Speaking of which, we'll also be joined by Andrew Taylor. He's the Australian man who declared 2016 to be the year of the spud. And then he commemorated it by uh, eating nothing but potatoes for 366 days. Oh, and he chose a leap year to do this, huh? <laughs> yeah. And now he's written a book called The DIY Spud Fit Challenge. And it dares readers to change their relationship with food in order to live a healthier life. So mm. we'll find out what possessed him to do this in the first place and, and why potatoes of all things. I mean, it's so weird. I, I feel like growing up, potatoes were considered a healthy vegetable or, or at least healthy enough. And then there was the whole anti-car movement and this this big push to cut potatoes out entirely. And, and now it feels like it's sort of nudging its way back in. I know. It's so weird how these things go back and forth. Like eggs are the same way with all their cholesterol and that debate. And, and it's just so strange like that we can't decide to just do this in moderation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, and the strange part is that it almost feels heretical to be talking about limiting our food selection. I mean, we've mentioned this before, but Americans have never had such a huge variety of options as we do today. And the idea of purposefully removing choices, it it kind of runs counter to most people's thinking. Yeah, so I know this isn't food-related, but for a while I was enamored with this idea of having a daily uniform. My mother-in-law gave me this book she was reading about willpower. And in it, there's this argument that you only have so much willpower and decision-making power in a day. Mm -hmm. And so people like Obama, when he was president, supposedly had someone pick out his clothes for him. And all of his shirts and pants were different colors, but the same style and the size he liked. The idea being, if you're not using your brain power for any of those smaller decisions, you can actually save it for making swift, important decisions later in the day. Huh. But I, I know a number of successful people who just have one basic lunch they rely on, and whether that's like a turkey sandwich or a PB&J. Or ramen from downstairs. <laughs> yeah, and they just eat that every day because it's something they like enough, but don't have to spend any time thinking about. Yeah, and, you know, time and efficiency, that's definitely one aspect of narrowing your food choices. But uh, another that I've been thinking about is, uh, you know, space travel. <laughs> How's that? Well, according to Pop Psy, quote, the impetus of a lot of nutritional science is how do we feed people in space? And so a lot of the effort is on how to pack more nutritional content into lighter weight foods, you know, that, that are easy to carry. Well, we'll definitely talk a little bit about food science and the efforts to pack foods with more nutrients. And, uh, of course, there's also this trend of monodiets where people eat from just one food group and even just one particular food. People do this with bananas or watermelon or, in the magician Penn Gillette's case, he did this with potatoes as well. And it's supposedly to shock his body into weight loss. I have to say, though, it just sounds so miserable. But, I, I mean, <laughs> I, I guess there are all sorts of ways to eat a potato. And he, he's probably not just eating baked potatoes all day. At least I hope he's not. <laughs> I don't know. I wonder how many people were inspired by the Martian uh, <laughs> to do this diet. But uh, but when I first heard you mention this topic and this idea of foods you can't live without, it, it reminded me of that German poet and philosopher Frederick Schiller. And he'd keep rotting apples in a drawer in his desk. And whenever he was getting writer's block, he'd open the drawer to take a whiff. <laughs> Supposedly, it inspired him to keep writing. I'd never heard that before. I know. And then there's like Balzac, who had 50 cups of coffee a day to keep him writing. But do you have any tricks for writer's block? Uh, I, I don't actually think I do. What about you? Well, it's not a trick, but I actually hate writing. So whenever I have to do it, I often get like a bag of jelly beans as a treat just to make the experience seem more fun. Mm-hmm. But uh, I, I know I took us off track. Nutritionists definitely warn against mono diets, but uh, so sometimes that dieting can't be helped. So what do you mean by that? Well, it, it can also be psychological. Like the, there was a story a few years ago about that teenage girl in England who'd been hooked on chicken nuggets. 
She'd been downing them since, like, age two or something, and according to the report, she'd eaten practically nothing but chicken nuggets for, like, 15 years. Oh, wow. Yeah, I remember hearing about her. I know, and it sounds kind of funny or impressive even, until one day she passed out and couldn't breathe. That's a lot less funny. So did, did she uh, <laughs> did she have a heart attack or something? No, uh, apparently she was so malnourished that she had to receive vitamin and nutrient injections. Wow. I mean, it, it's actually kind of heartbreaking when you think about it. I know. And, and the sadder part is that her mother couldn't even stop her. Like, her words were, quote, uh, it breaks my heart to see her eating those damn nuggets. You know, what What you're describing sounds way more than just a hankering for chicken nuggets. I mean, it, it actually sounds more like compulsive behavior. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, people are like highly selective about foods they're willing to eat because of food addictions. But it can also be about food phobias. In, in fact, there was this other British woman who ate only chicken nuggets for 25 years. Wait, she was also British? <laughs> What's with the Brits and their nuggets? I have no idea. But in this woman's case, she became so accustomed to eating her favorite food at home that she developed this serious fear of eating anything else. Like, when she'd put it in her mouth, she'd gag. But after visiting a hypnotherapist in London for a single hour, just an hour, she was totally cured, and and she's been feasting on a non-nugget diet ever since. (laughs) I'm so happy she's off the nuggets. (laughs) All right, so this is obvious, but in general, it sounds like eating only one kind of food is a very bad idea. I mean, I I guess it works for pets. Ruby has this pet bearded dragon at school that apparently only eats crickets, and (laughs) it seems to be doing just fine. But (laughs) But you're right. I mean, part of the problem is that, like, there are huge parts of the world population, especially in Africa and Asia, and they, they survive on a diet that's made up almost entirely of rice, so it's not really by choice. And in fact, according to a report from the ETH University in Zurich, and I'm I'm pulling this up now, quote, nearly every second person in the world eats primarily rice to meet the daily calorie need. A meal of rice stops the hunger, but contains only very few or none of the essential micronutrients. So, I mean, the good news is that researchers have had lots of success with creating genetically modified multinutrient rice to help fight malnutrition, especially in those rice-dependent regions. You know, I, I know there are economic and political implications of the genetically modified food stuff, but it is kind of amazing that you can just infuse all these nutrients into rice and, and, and solve this big problem. Of course, whether someone chooses a restricted diet or has it thrust upon them, that lack of dinner table variety poses other problems, you know, aside from the nutrition of it all. And, and mainly that just makes meals seem so boring, really. Yeah, I mean, that's my biggest gripe with all of this. And, and that's not just our opinion. I mean, humans actually experience a phenomenon called sensory-specific satiety, and, and that's when we keep eating the same thing. So I, I've never heard of that. What's that mean? You know, so basically, the more you eat of a specific food, the less appetizing it gets and, and the less you can stand the thought of eating it. Which explains why kids always complain when they're full midway through dinner, but then miraculously find more room in their stomachs when dessert rolls around. That's exactly what's happening there. And researchers think sensory-specific satiety might be an evolutionary trait. You know, it it acts as the body's way of telling us to eat something different in, in order to avoid that malnutrition. But, of course, you don't have to stick to just a single food item to suffer this. the effects of this, even you know, limiting yourself to one food group can be unhealthy. And, I mean, just look at the fruitarians out there. So I, I grew up vegetarian, but I, I remember when I heard about fruitarians thinking, that feels like a step too far. I would agree with that. <laughs> well, it, it's definitely a more extreme form of vegetarianism. And the idea is that 75% or more of your daily food intake should be fresh fruit and usually eaten raw. 
and health and wellness bloggers have helped popularize the diet in recent years, so much so that hundreds of like-minded eaters now gather every year in New York for the Woodstock Fruit Festival. The other Woodstock. I think it's probably just a little bit different than the, <laughs> the other Woodstock. So it's this week-long event where fruitarians gather to mingle with other fruitarians. They attend lectures and gorge themselves on the all-you-can-eat fruit and vegetable buffet. You know, and and that's what they get for their $1,200 ticket. What? Yeah, it's crazy. <laughs> and if you're wondering how much fresh produce it takes to feed close to a 1,000 hungry fruitarians for an entire week, the answer is over 100,000 pounds. That's so much fruit. So wasn't Steve Jobs a fruitarian? I, I feel like I read that somewhere. And, and also that he smelled terrible. I, I don't know if that was because of how his body reacted to the fruits or because he didn't use any deodorants. Well, I, I can't confirm why he smelled, but, but Jobs <laughs> was probably the most famous fruitarian in the world. And he kept a strict vegan diet for most of his life, went through stints along the way where he would only drink smoothies and eat raw fruit, uh, all, just that kind of strict diet. And I, I guess it all makes sense in hindsight, right? Like it's right there in the company name. Well, you may be kidding about this, but it's actually true. So Jobs came up with the name Apple Computers during one of his fruitarian phases. <laughs> yeah, it says it in his biography. He wrote, I had just come back from the Apple farm. It sounded fun, spirited and not intimidating. Apple took the edge off the word computer. That's so crazy. Like, I always just assumed the Apple was a reference to Isaac Newton. Yeah. Although, didn't all that fruit actually wind up contributing to Steve Jobs' illness? Like, I, I'm pretty sure I read somewhere that there's a higher risk of pancreatic cancer if you consume a lot of fruits and juices. Well, some studies have definitely shown a strong link, but of course, there's there's no real way of knowing what brought on Steve's illness. Mm -hmm. And diet can definitely play a role, but it's hardly the deciding factor with something like cancer. That said, when Ashton Kutcher took on the role of Steve Jobs for that biopic, Kutcher adhered to a fruitarian diet for about a month as a way of getting into character. But apparently it was a disaster. And he ended up being rushed to the hospital with stomach pains, you know, just a couple days before filming began. And the test found that his pancreas levels were way off what they should have been, which really is kind of frightening given how Jobs passed away. And it's kind of counterintuitive, right? Like to think of something we equate with such health being bad for you. I guess it's just another win for like boring old moderation. Yeah, you, you know, you're definitely not going to find most doctors or dietitians that recommend you take up fruitarianism or any other highly restrictive diet. And a good general rule of thumb for diets is that, you know, if it's making you sick, it's probably a bad diet. <laughs> That's great advice. But uh, vegetarians swear off fish and meat, and they tend to be pretty healthy in general. How come we can get away with dodging some food groups but not others? Well, we tend to aim for varied diets because that gives us a better chance of getting all the different nutrients we need to help our bodies function properly. And cutting out whole food groups lessens that likelihood to, to different degrees. So eliminating meat is one thing. I mean, you can make up the protein in other ways. But eliminating everything except meat, I mean, honestly, that would be about as dangerous as the all-fruit diet. Hmm. Well, we, we should definitely get into what 10 foods we'd take into space or to a desert island. But now seems like a good time to get Andrew Taylor on the line and see if we can figure out how he beat the odds and managed to survive and even thrive on his all-potato diet. So, Mango, I know today we're talking about limiting diets to 10 foods. And what would those 10 foods be if that's all we could choose? Well, Today's guest took that to another level. So in, in 2016, Andrew Taylor was struggling with depression and anxiety, and he also weighed more than he'd ever weighed in his life, so he decided to take matters into his own hands. 
he took what you might call a pretty unusual measure, and that was he decided to eat nothing but potatoes for a year. I don't know if that's how you've ever decided or thought about approaching a weight loss or anything like that, but Andrew Taylor, welcome to Part-Time Genius. Thanks for having me on. I'm excited. Yeah, we're, we're thrilled to have you as well. So, Andrew, you said that you were addicted to food at the time, and I think I read you wanted to make your food as boring as possible so your mind wasn't consumed by food. Why did you decide on the potato? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. It was uh, it was an experiment, really, to see if uh, if dealing with my own food addiction through abstinence would uh, would be a helpful thing. So, you know, an alcoholic should quit alcohol, and I figured maybe a food addict should quit food, and obviously we can't quit food entirely, so... Uh, I, just, I wondered if there was one food that I could eat and, it, and then quit everything else and getting as close as possible to, um, to quitting as, as you could. Um, so I chose potatoes after a lot of research. I spent six weeks um, studying to figure out what would be the best food to choose, and potatoes just had the most evidence behind them, basically. Most people know about the Irish diet. Uh, for a couple of centuries, the Irish entire population ate almost only potatoes and, and they maintained good fitness and health, and they actually went through a population boom, which wouldn't happen if they weren't fit and healthy. Um, there are tribes around the world. There's a, the Papua New Guinean Highlander tribe to this day um, eat almost only sweet potatoes. Um, and there's, you know, examples in, in Japan of the Okinawans getting nearly all of their calories from uh, Japanese sweet potatoes and, and living having a very high rate of centenarians, that's people that live till 100 years old. Um, another interesting thing was uh, prisoners of war. I read about prisoners of war that were fed only potatoes, and, uh, and they were same thing. They were in great health and in, uh, in great fitness. And, um, you know, you see photos of prisoners of war that are totally malnourished, and, and uh, that's, that's not these guys. These guys that were fed only potatoes did really, really well. And another great piece of information I found was there was a study done in the 20s, in the late 1920s, uh, where a marathon-running couple were supervised by scientists for six months eating only potatoes. And uh, again, they did really well. They maintained good fitness and health. And at the end of six months, they actually ran personal best marathons. So there's a lot more information that I read, but that's the best examples I can give you. And, um, and yeah, once I read all that, plus a lot more than... My, my decision was easy. The potatoes were the obvious choice. Wow, that's uh, that's just fascinating. And, and clearly you did your homework on this. I, I am curious, were, were you consulting a nutritionist at all through the process? No, I've got a, a – my personal doctor is a dietitian as well, qualified dietitian and doctor. And once I'd done all my research and made my decision and decided that that's what I wanted to do, then I went to him and basically told him what my plan was and um, – and yeah, he agreed to supervise me and, and help me, but he didn't have any input in the initial planning of it, no. And I, I heard you mentioned sweet potatoes and, and I, I think regular potatoes. Did you mix potatoes or was there just one type of potato you were eating on this diet? Uh, I had all kinds of potatoes, yeah. I, I didn't want to, I wanted to be restrictive, but I didn't want to, like, you know, if I went to the to the store and they only had one kind of potato available and it wasn't the kind that I was eating, then... <laughs> That was going to make things hard, you know, so I just decided to make it all kinds of potatoes just for logistical reasons, that's all. Yeah, uh, and, and obviously the potato is pretty versatile to cook, but what types of meals did you make, and, and uh, did your art of cooking the potato evolve as you continued on this process? Yeah, well, like 
like you briefly mentioned earlier, uh, my I figured that a big part of my problem with food was that I was relying on it for comfort, enjoyment, emotional support, things like that. Like at, at the end of a bad day, I would get home and want to try to make myself feel better by eating um, exciting, interesting food. So the idea was that I wanted to make my food as boring as possible so that I'd have to retrain my brain to get that comfort and enjoyment and emotional support from other areas of life rather than just from food. So for that reason, I kept it as boring as possible on purpose. So 95% of my meals were probably uh, mashed potato, baked potato or, um, or boiled potato, all just plain. And, um, yeah, every now and then, maybe once a fortnight or even once a month, I would do something a little bit more interesting, like uh, they make some uh, oven-baked chips or some uh, potato waffles or something like that. But really, it was it was all about uh, learning to be happy with boring food. And i got this saying, make your food boring and your life interesting. So rather than spending my time and energy on trying to make interesting, exciting foods. I just tried to do interesting and exciting things. That seems like a great way to approach it. I'm curious, are you still eating potatoes now that you've finished your year of only potatoes? Yeah, I had mashed potatoes and rocket. I think you guys call it arugula, mashed potatoes and arugula for breakfast. (laughs) (laughs) So, Andrew, I'm curious. I know, you know, diet experts would probably point out the lack of protein that you're getting in this diet. So I mean, what, what would you say to those that, that would be critical of the diet or be concerned that you might not be getting enough protein or, or you know, other essentials in your diet? Yeah, well, there, there are. I've had lots of uh, input from diet experts around the world since I started doing this. And it, it's interesting that um, potatoes, I guess, have a bad rap that people think that they're lacking in so much nutrition, but they've actually... I was getting, when I was eating potatoes only, I was getting 85 to 90 grams of uh, protein a day, which is definitely well within the uh, recommended daily intake. And it's all the uh, all the required essential amino acids getting covered. So, yeah, I find it a little bit disturbing when experts uh, make these claims with clearly not knowing what they're talking about. And, uh, and potatoes, everyone knows they've got a lot of carbohydrates, but they've also got the protein, like I mentioned, they've got a small amount of fat, which is, is enough to give the body what it needs, especially when you're carrying extra fat like I was. And, uh, and yeah, they've got a really good balance of all the other vitamins and minerals that we need too. So uh, you know, my blood tests were getting better through the whole year and I was really getting everything I need from, from this diet. So, yeah, no complaints there. <laughs> So I was curious uh, how your marriage was affected by this and, and what were you spending more time on instead of just uh, cooking uh, and, and thinking about food? Uh, yeah, my marriage was only affected in positive ways. My wife was really supportive. And um, you know, before I started this, I have no hesitation to say that I gave 100% of everything I had to being the best husband I could and being the best father I could. Um, but you know, I was clinically depressed and uh, 120 pounds more than I am now. And so, you know, 100% then is not the same as 100% now. So uh, I'm able to give more these days, which means my marriage and my life is has uh, only been affected in positive ways. Yeah, so no complaints there. And my wife was really supportive from the start. It's amazing how much time and space food takes up in your life for, you know, thinking about it, planning it, preparing it, shopping for it cooking it, cleaning up after it, all that. It's, it's a, you don't realise how much time and effort and energy that all takes up until you 
remove it from your life, basically. So, yeah, I, uh, I've added a lot into my life. I'm doing a lot more exercise and, um, and really, I guess most of my extra time and attention has just gone into having fun with my wife and my boy. And, you know, the time I used to spend thinking about and planning and all that, it, it, it's just spent on enjoying myself with them. I wrestle with my little boy and uh, read books and make jokes and, um, you know, we go walking and playing at the playground and it's just uh, all the little things in life have just got a little bit of extra focus for me. That's it. It's hard to say that there's one particular thing. It's just across the board I get a little bit more um, time for each of the, the more positive experiences in life. That's all. That's wonderful. Well, Andrew, this has just been fascinating, and congratulations on your success with this. I really admire what you've accomplished, and as you've put it before, it's it's not about the potato. I mean, you can check out Andrew's book, The DIY Spud Fit Challenge, on Amazon or visit him online at spudfit.com. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks so much for having me. It's been fun, and, yeah, good luck with everything you guys do. Diamonds Direct has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. If your business needs a new application, then developers will have to write code. A lot of code. If an application needs to be modernized, then you'll need time, resources, and caffeine. If that sounds daunting, then you need Watson X Code Assistant. AI designed to multiply developer productivity so you can generate code quickly. Let's create a more modern foundation for business with Watson X Code Assistant. Learn more at ibm.com slash codeassistant. IBM. Let's create. listening to Part-Time Genius, and we're talking about how to get by on the least number of foods possible. Okay, Mango, so after talking to Andrew, I think we're in agreement that potatoes belong on our list of the only foods you'll ever need. What, what do you think about this? Absolutely. I mean, there are 20 amino acids that humans need to survive, and while our bodies produce most of those for us, there are nine essential acids that we only get from foods we eat. And although most foods supply at least a couple of those essential aminos, white potatoes can actually get you there in one go. And it's funny that potatoes don't get the coveted superfood moniker like some of the others do, but mm-hmm. I, I agree with you on this. I mean, they, they belong in the card. And, uh, <laughs> of course, white potatoes aren't enough on their own since they lack some of the much-needed minerals and vitamins. You know, we think about vitamins A and E. And as Andrew points out, a true potatoarian, I guess, I don't know <laughs> if that's a word, they would need to add sweet potatoes to the mix in order to survive long-term. Yeah, that sweet potato footnote really made me wonder how the Irish made it through that famine in the 1800s. Mm-hmm. Like, roughly a third of the population lived mostly on plain potatoes during those lean years, but I don't think they were farming sweet potatoes. Yeah, I was actually curious about this as well, so I decided to do a, a little digging into this. And, and the traditional go-to meal for the Irish peasants has been potatoes, milk, oats, beans, and bread. But 
you know, by the time the famine struck, most peasants had to sell their milk supply just to make rent. So their meals dwindled to potatoes, salted fish and oatmeal. And that was enough to keep them going? For the most part, it actually was. I mean, the the fish would have been high in protein and calcium, plus some of the important minerals and vitamins. But the real saving grace, surprisingly, was actually the oatmeal. You see, even on a diet that included both white and sweet potatoes, you'd still be lacking a crucial mineral. And I have a hard time pronouncing this (laughs) mineral, but it's called molybdenum. I've never heard of it. Nobody's heard of it. And I don't think anybody can say it. And it's it's often called the most important element you've never heard of. So basically, without molybdenum, your body would be unable to break down the sulfites and turn them into usable sources of energy. And since sulfites are naturally found in so many foods we eat, including potatoes, most foods would eventually kill you without it, you know, in order to take care of the sulfites. But thankfully, we really don't need all that much of the mineral. In fact, the recommended daily allowance for it is only about 45 micrograms. So a little oatmeal actually does the trick. And you just ask the Irish. Or the Scots, for that matter. And while researching, I found that the cornerstones of a traditional Scottish diet were potatoes, oatmeal, milk, and kale. And now I'm actually thinking they all should have a place on our list. It's a pretty great combo. I mean, you, you could probably get by on those four alone if you had to. Though I think you could make the case for swapping oats for barley just because it has the same essential vitamins and minerals as the other grains. But it also helps to manage those cholesterol levels. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've got a pretty good list going here. We've got white and sweet potatoes as well as oats or barley. And now we're adding milk and kale. And, of course, I'm kind of sick of hearing people talk about kale these days. Yeah, I know. I know what you mean on this. It does kind of live up to its reputation, though. It it can help with everything from cardiovascular support to the fight against things like arthritis or asthma or diabetes, even cancer. It's been shown in some studies. Plus, it's super rich in vitamins and minerals. (laughs) I know I said super and fiber. I know, but I feel like I'm in a kale ad. Well, I mean, mango, a single hundred gram (laughs) serving of kale contains way more than the recommended daily allowance for, let's see here, vitamin C, vitamin A, and vitamin K. And you can order some using the coupon code kale.com slash genius. <laughs> so to be clear, that's a fake coupon code. You we are not that. on the kale lobby's dole. And while kale has plenty going for it, it's not without its drawbacks. Really? So, so why is that? Well, a raw kale can be extremely tough on the digestive system. And even cooked kale can lead to hypothyroidism. That's if you eat too much of it. And all that vitamin K you mentioned, I I mean, it's great in moderation, but too much can lead to the formation of blood clots. So if you're already dealing with blood clots or if you're on a blood thinning medication, you might want to sub in spinach instead. You know, it's weird how it all gets more complicated than you think, even with something like kale. But, you know, know, still milk seems like a safe bet for the list. If, If you drink vitamin D fortified whole milk, your body's getting a lot of what it needs right there. You know, it's got carbs, protein, potassium all the essential amino acids, and of course, as we know, calcium. Mm -hmm. Pretty much the only things missing are fiber and apparently, it's so hard for me to say, molybdenum. Yes, exactly. All right, so so grains and greens and potatoes would, would still need to be on the menu to get your nutrition fixed, but... It really is amazing how close any one of these foods can get you to a a pretty healthy diet. It is. And I I know we already debunked the mono diet, but there actually is one food that succeeds at delivering the complete nutritional package all on its own. And that's better than an all potato diet and way, way better than the all chicken nugget diet. I do like chicken nuggets, but (laughs) no, I'm curious. All right. so, So what's this amazing mystery food? 
milk or, or specifically human milk. So according to Joanne Hatner, a nutrition consultant at Stanford and former national spokesperson for the American Dietetic Association, mother's milk is a complete food. That means it's calorically sufficient and contains a little bit of all the vitamins, minerals, and amino acids that we need. Yeah, but you're talking about for babies, though, right? Like uh, adults couldn't survive on breast milk, could they? Well, that's the catch. E- even though all the vital nutrients are in there, they don't occur in high enough amounts to sustain an adult. In fact, that- that's why we ultimately add solid foods to infant diets so that we can beef up the amount of iron and other nutrients that they receive. And technically, though, anyone could survive solely on mother's milk, provided they were able to, you know, source enough of it. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Thank God. Yeah, exactly. So our-, our best bet is to stick to other mammal milks like cows or goats. And if the milk's fermented or you know, like a yogurt, that's all the better because the added bacteria can do wonders for our digestive tracts. Thinking of popping the question? Diamonds Direct has an offer you can't miss. This month only, buy a natural diamond engagement ring of 1 carat plus and receive a free natural 1 carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. No one provides education, selection, and value like Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet from your friends at Diamonds Direct won't last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Before AI can help your business predict demand, accelerate growth, inform decisions, automate tasks, reveal insights, generate content, you have to trust it. Introducing Watson X Governance. Helping you govern any AI as data, models, and policies change so you can scale it responsibly. Let's create AI that begins with trust with Watson X Governance. Learn more at ibm.com governance. IBM. Let's create. back to part-time genius now earlier we harped on fruitarians quite a bit so i do want to make sure we give fruit its due and include at least one on our list now the problem is there's so many tasty fruits and pretty much all of them are good for you so i'm gonna leave it to you mango what's your pick well, everyone knows by now that I have a soft spot for bananas, and thanks to their high levels of potassium and fiber and lack of fat or salt, they're not a bad choice. They are pretty sugary though and and a little weak in the calorie department. For example, have you heard of this uh, this YouTube phenomena, Freely the Banana Girl? I can't say that's on my list of YouTube <laughs> channels I watch. Yeah, she's this Australian social media darling, and, and she practices a mono diet of just bananas. And since the average banana only contains 100 calories or so, Freely scarfs down 50-plus bananas every day to keep her energy up. Every day? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, uh, of course, we'd be supplementing our fruit with the other things on our list, so we wouldn't have to eat quite as many. But if we're trying to stick to just one kind of fruit, there are probably better options. Well, why don't we go the other way for a minute and maybe choose a high-calorie fruit like avocados? I mean, they have fiber and potassium like bananas do, plus vitamin E, plenty of healthy fats that that help keep inflammation and cholesterol in check. They're just overall healthy. Yeah, that definitely works. And avocados are great for breakfast or lunch or dinner, and and they're more versatile than bananas, I guess. But another strong choice would be some kind of berry, and any kind, really. 
Blueberries and pomegranates are popular choices because they're all packed with antioxidants and tons of vitamin C. But I actually read this article in Business Insider that ranked the nutritional value of a bunch of berries. And the one that topped the list was one I never would have thought, elderberries. Elderberry. Never would have thought if you ever had an elderberry. (laughs) I I actually haven't had an elderberry. (laughs) But uh, apparently elderberries surpass their cousins in potassium and iron and fiber and also vitamin B6 and C. And the only problem is that eating too many raw ones can actually make you sick. So you'd have to cook them down into a syrup. But uh, if you want to go with the second best berry, that happens to be the blackberry. I have had that type of berry (laughs) and they're very good. And it's definitely easier to find blackberries, too. Mm -hmm. I'm actually not sure I've ever seen an elderberry in a grocery store. All right, so so fruits, veggies, grains, starch, and dairy are covered on our list, and, and now we need a dedicated protein. And it's tempting to go with something like a decadent steak, but you know anything besides an ultra-lean cut is going to provide more saturated fat and cholesterol than you really want when we're trying to come up with a list like this. So, I don't know, instead I say we take another page from the Irish and opt for maybe surf instead of turf. Yeah, that sounds smart. So what are you thinking? Well, any fish is going to offer protein and healthy fat, but you really can't do much better than salmon. Now, I know we talked about kale earlier in the greens category, and much like that, salmon has been the it thing within <laughs> its category. It's been the it fish for a while now, but it's loaded with high-quality protein, not to mention vitamin B12 and minerals like potassium and selenium. You know, while salmon is a fattier fish, most of that comes from omega-3 fatty acids, And those help promote healthy brain function. They reduce joint inflammation and they strengthen your heart. Yeah, well, salmon's a strong pick. But in case any vegetarians are listening, we should point out a few guilt-free alternatives for protein. And thankfully, there are a ton of them like beans, pulses, nuts and seeds. They're all fantastic protein choices. And they're much easier to carry, store or even prepare than animal proteins. Assuming that you pair them appropriately to make a complete protein, like in the case of beans, pairing them with rice. That's right. All right, so what would you say are the best of the best for the plant-based proteins? Well, uh, and this might be biased, according to the Bean Institute, which apparently is a thing, beans (laughs) contain between 21% and 25% protein by weight. And since that's much higher than other sources of vegetable protein, you know, the nut or seed options, I'd go with beans. And different beans pack different amounts of protein and other minerals, with black beans, kidney beans, pinto, and soy tending to provide the most, but... That's the beauty of beans. No matter which one you go with, it's going to be a good source of protein and fiber. And it'll also be fat-free, sodium-free, and cholesterol-free. Looks like beans for the win. It felt like you said (laughs) beans a lot. I did. I I do want to mention, though, that just like with eating too many fruits or or something like kale, there is such a thing as too much protein. It's actually called protein poisoning, or some people call it rabbit starvation. I'd never heard of this, but just saw it in the research. And it occurs when 45% or more of your calorie intake is derived from protein. And the nickname actually has nothing to do with malnourished bunnies or anything (laughs) like that. It comes from the early North American explorers who sometimes survived solely on lean proteins, such as rabbits. And this would happen for weeks at a time. And the diet often led to starvation because a person's liver, it can only process so many calories from lean proteins. Yeah, so so remember, no matter where you get your protein, don't overdo it. The bulk of your calories should be coming from fats and carbs and not protein. Yeah, that's a good tip. So there you have it. There are two kinds of potatoes on our list, oats or barley, kale or spinach, milk or yogurt, avocados or berries, and salmon or beans. And if you have extra room, maybe uh, a package of Flaming Hot Cheetos. Mm. 
Yeah, that would cover all of your nutritional bases. But again, whether you want to or even whether you should stick to a limited diet like this, that's a whole different matter, maybe for a different episode one day. Totally, because while it makes sense on paper that we can restrict our diets, that's not really how things play out in real life. So, for for example, there was a study in 2002 where researchers took data from 59,000 women and found that those who alternated 16 to 17 healthy foods through the diet had a 42% lower mortality rate than those who regularly ate between zero to eight healthy foods. So even if you're eating mostly healthy foods, like the ones we listed today, you'll still be at a disadvantage if you aren't varying what you eat. Yeah, and that actually tracks with an article I read by a dietitian at uh, Glasgow Caledonian University. Her name is Jenny Jackson, and, and she openly admits that while we know a diet that includes a variety of vegetables is healthier than eating just a few, we actually don't know exactly why that's the case. As she puts it, quote, we don't really know which foods are causing which effects. So while you could work out exactly what you needed from macronutrients, you don't know exactly what you might be missing. Yeah, I'd say the real strength of a thought experiment like this is that it reminds us of the practical purpose food serves. I I mean, humans have evolved to value the taste of food and the experience of eating way more than any other species, which, of course, I'm grateful for. But that focus on the sensory can distract us from food's true purpose as fuel for our lives. Yeah, I think that's exactly right. And, you know, at a time when people are so wrapped up with food as a social experience or as a form of entertainment, you know, Instagramming what's on your plate or writing reviews on Yelp, it, it is a little sobering to think about food as this basic necessity. But picking apart the pros and cons of individual foods, it, it does give you a sense of not only what we're putting in our bodies, but but why we're doing it. That's definitely true. But you know one thing you can always safely consume without having to overthink it? I'm really hoping this is not about breast milk again. <laughs> the part-time genius fact off. And, and what do you say, because we were both surprised by how nutritious the potato is, we turned this into the potato edition. All right. Sounds good to me. So according to A History of Greece, I found there's an often told story that in order to popularize potatoes in 1828, New governor, Johnny Capodistas, tried to give potatoes away, but the people were totally uninterested. So he placed armed guards in front of a shipment as they were loaded off docks to make them seem more important. And when the guards turned away or left their positions, people just stole the potatoes. And that's how the potatoes' popularity spread there. Oh, wow. Well, what's strange is that it isn't the first time leaders tried to convince people to eat potatoes. According to an article in Mental Floss, quote, In the late 1700s, in an effort to inspire their starving subjects to plant the newly introduced vegetable, Marie Antoinette wore potato flowers in her hair, and her husband, King Louis XVI, wore them in his buttonholes. And while the move launched a new fad, convincing French nobility to start wearing potato flowers, (laughs) the plan didn't have the intended effect. The lower classes resented the propaganda and spurned the plant. So did you know that potato parties used to be a thing in Japan and South Korea? Like teenagers would go into McDonald's, order $200 or more of fries, and then just spread them out on tables to eat while they hung out. Actually, that sounds pretty delicious to me. I want to admit that. (laughs) Well, did you know that Mr. Potato Head was the first toy advertised on television? I'd forgotten that. The craziest part to me was that you actually had to provide your own potato. (laughs) Yeah. Well, since you knew that fact, how about this one? Did you know that gardeners will sometimes put rose cuttings into a potato, then plant the potato in the ground? Why is that? Well, the potato's full of nutrients, so it can actually help the rose grow. 
That's insane. Did, did you know that uh, Gorbachev's wife once tried to impress a British minister by telling him that the Soviets had more than 300 ways to cook potatoes? And when he doubted her, she sent him a cookbook of 500 ways to cook a potato. <laughs> she showed him. All right. Well, I mean, I guess with 500 recipes from Russia alone, we don't have to worry about Penjilat and whether he gets his variety anymore. But all right. I think because of that fact, I'm going to let you take home the championship belt this week. Nice. That's it for today's Part-Time Genius. If you enjoyed the show, feel free to drop us a line on our 24-7 fact hotline. That's 1-844-PT-GENIUS. You can also send us a note, Part-Time Genius at HowStuffWorks.com or find us on Facebook and Twitter. And if you really, really enjoyed the show, please give us a review or a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks so much. Thanks again for listening. Part-Time Genius is a production of How Stuff Works and wouldn't be possible without several brilliant people who do the important things we couldn't even begin to understand. Tristan McNeil does the editing thing. Noel Brown made the theme song and does the mixy-mixy sound thing. (laughs) Jerry Rowland does the exec producer thing. Gabe Luzier is our lead researcher with support from the research army, including Austin Thompson, Nolan Brown, and Lucas Adams. And Eve Jeffcoat gets the show to your ears. Good job, Eves. If you like what you heard, we hope you'll subscribe. And if you really, really like what you've heard, maybe you could leave a good review for us. Did we, did we forget Jason? Jason who? has done it again. This month only, get ready for an offer you can't resist. Buy a natural diamond engagement ring of one carat plus and receive a free natural one carat diamond tennis bracelet valued at $2,000. That's right, a stunning diamond tennis bracelet at no extra cost. Imagine giving her the ring of her dreams and her wedding gift all at once. So hurry into Diamonds Direct. Your chance to get a free tennis bracelet will not last long. Details at DiamondsDirect.com. Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. Your new home journey starts at Fisher Homes, where everything is red, white, and new. Explore exclusive summer savings and start your journey by selecting your ideal home site and your dream community. Choose from a variety of expertly designed floor plans and bring your style to life at the Lifestyle Design Center. Are you looking for a quick move-in ready home instead? Fisher Homes has options for those too. Fill out a form to connect with a new home advisor at fisherhomes.com to get started today before the sun sets on summer savings.